and welcome to Time to Hire from the RBOA. Whether you're a seasoned talent acquisition professional or just starting in the field, Time to Hire provides an invaluable platform to expand your knowledge, learn from industry leaders, and stay up to date with the rapidly changing world of recruitment. I'm Lamise Aburama. In this episode, we hear from RBOA Advisory Board member Jason Kramwidi on a new topic we haven't covered here at the RBOA before, a topic that is just starting to emerge in the contingent recruiting space. We're talking about direct sourcing, and I'm looking to learn many new things from our guest. Jason is Executive Vice President of Broadleaf Results. He brings 20 years of leadership, business development, consulting, and management experience in talent acquisition and human capital services. As a trusted advisor, his goal is to help clients realize efficiencies in recruiting and staffing by identifying ways to scale and standardize through innovative value-based solutions. Through collaboration and careful analysis of a client's hiring processes, employees, cost structure, and systems, he partners to challenge their current delivery structure and how best to leverage recruiting, outsourcing, and assessment to drive better outcomes. Welcome, Jason. Great. Thank you, Lamise. And hello, everybody. Good morning and good afternoon. And delighted to be here with Lamise and the RPOA, the Recruitment Process Outsourcing Association, as Lamise said, I've been a I've been an advisory board member uh, since 2018, in um, actively involved in the in the RPOA. Uh, I will say, if, if you are considering membership to the RPOA, I uh, highly encourage it. It's a great group to collaborate, learn, um, uh, test new ideas with uh, with colleagues and friends. So as far as an industry organization, it's been um, extremely valuable, not only for me, but uh, Broadleaf, uh, the company I currently work for. So today we're going to talk about direct sourcing. And I know within RPO uh, lingo, direct sourcing is used quite frequently. Um, uh, about sourcing passive candidates. Well, recently, I'd say over the past few years, it's been increasingly used uh, in reference to contingent labor. So part of this and, and the purpose of this is really educational around defining direct sourcing in the different categories. Uh, and uh, so certainly educational um, about what direct sourcing is and what it means, not only to RPO, but also with respects to um, total talent. Um, just with Broadleaf, if you don't know our organization, we're, we are a total workforce solutions company based in Buffalo, New York. We're a women-owned business. Um, our workforce services include uh, recruitment outsourcing, of course, uh, MSP or managed service uh, managed service pr programs um, where we manage uh, customers' contingent labor, uh, as well as all of the suppliers, um, as well as payroll and services. So a whole spectrum of services um, around total talent. Um, our industries that we're strong in, uh, and we focus on advanced manufacturing, energy, aerospace, semiconductor, and technology sectors, I will say our key differentiators really around solution design. Um, the recruiting co uh, 
the recruiting comp uh, pardon me the recruiting process is complex these days and our ability to stitch together solutions and process and technology is certainly a strength and then secondly a key differentiator is the trusted partnerships that we form um, with our uh, with our customers day in and day out so just a little bit more information on broadleaf and what we're going to do so the purpose of today is really to discuss direct sourcing as it relates to contingent labor demystify some of the um, the questions that generally pop up. Um, so there's, we're gonna talk about definitions um, to level set us, what are the opportunities? And then what are the challenges that we're seeing with the adoption of direct sourcing programs? Um, I do feel for those that are in the RPO business, direct sourcing can certainly be uh, a service line expansion and extension um, for what you're currently doing today. Um, I encourage you, as Lamise said earlier, to use the chat to ask questions um, during. Um, she'll post questions if they do pop up in chat or certainly after around collaboration with direct sourcing and what you're experiencing. Um, this session is um, a, a, bit of, a bit contrarian, honestly. I think there's been a lot of discussion around um, direct labor. I certainly have been involved with our clients over the past few years to introduce it into our MSP programs and what it's all about. But this also comes from frustration as well. I think there's opportunities to advance direct sourcing in programs and, and there's certainly challenges that we're facing from a client adoption standpoint. So the purpose of this again is to dive deeper into some of those. So generally, what does the future hold for direct sourcing? Um, as I thought about it, I think, man, I'm so confused. What we're seeing, not only with our POs, our competitors, uh, folks that are in talent acquisition, companies that operate contingent labor, there's a high level of confusion of what is direct sourcing and what, it, what does it mean? Because it means different things to different stakeholders, to different competitors, to different um, service providers that are out there and how, how they defined it. And as a result, um, we've seen a lot of confusion from our clients um, and also macro um, across our entire industry, recruiting and staffing businesses as a whole. So what I'm gonna do today is talk about some of those definitions and some of the trends, um, just to level set us going forward. So, so trends, um, there's a number of steps around what's happening. I think we can all agree that coming out of the pre-pandemic and then entering into recessionary headwinds that were faced, that um, companies are leaning on the flexibility that contingent workers provide to their organizations. In the face of uncertainty, the ability to hire a temp, to fill a gap, to fill a skill set is becoming increasingly important. And we're seeing that not only now, but we're gonna see it into the future as well. Um, so staffing industry analysts, um, they looked at direct sourcing and through one of their surveys in 2022, they estimated that 62% of enterprise organizations, big companies that use contingent workers are in some way, shape or form leveraging a direct sourcing program, um, either through an MSP as a provider or many companies uh, also insource their contingent labor programs and have in internal staff execute it. When 
when I looked at all the different numbers out there, I've seen this anywhere from 40% to 62%. My first reaction was hogwash. I, we're just not seeing it. And maybe it's just us, but I've certainly had lots of cons uh, um, discussions with executives and organizations. And quite frankly, it's a, it's a hard slog. It's been um, a challenge contingent um, direct sourcing and contingent labor programs. And there's a variety of different reasons why. Um, and that's what we're going to talk about today. But I feel like that 62% number is way overstated. And maybe it's just the questions that they're answering. Um, by my estimation, when I look at direct sourcing, and in my, in my personal opinion, I think we're right at that um, innovator curve. When you look at the maturity curve, um, you know, data would su suggest that we're up or up over the hump from early majority to late majority. I, I don't I don't feel that sense of adoption, direct sourcing in contingent labor programs, specifically in MSPs. I think we're at that red star that we're just starting to move up that curve. And as I said earlier, it's been uh, a bit of a slog. I've been directly involved in many client conversations about the merits of introducing cost savings, quality, cycle times, et cetera. And it's just been a very slow moving um, Titanic to get them to, yes, that sounds interesting, to actually executing a program. Um, so what does, what does a typical workforce look like today? And these are, you know, plus or minus 10%, depending on the organization and what they're doing, but approximately 50% of a of an organization's workforce is permit staff, direct direct hires. 30% um, is approximately, again, plus or minus 10%, um, is 30%, 10% uh, in the independent contractor, freelancer, gig workers. Um, of course, some organizations are much more depend dependent than others. And then lastly, statement of work or, or SOW or SOW business, which is used, it's project-based work it's typically managed inside a VMS technology um, as part of so a fuel glass or a beeline, and it's very milestone based, often used in IT organizations to manage infrastructure rollouts, uh, software application development, uh, ERP system implementations, etc. So a lot of this is really an evolution of, 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 I should say, with direct sourcing is total talent or total talent management. And just wanted to share with you what, what do those services entail? Being this is RPOA, Recruitment Process Outsourcing Organization, many of us um, and organizations are using RPO. So you're outsourcing uh, all or parts of the process um, to an organization that's working on your behalf. So really as an extension of the talent acquisition department. Um, the services I mentioned earlier, just from um, going clockwise, payrolling services, managed service programs or MSPs, um, direct sourcing, and then RPO. So direct sourcing is really nestled right in between um, MSP programs and recruitment process outsourcing programs because RPOs often have that direct sourcing capability in-house and can execute quite frequently. Um, also includes technology is extremely important. So ATS, CRMs, VMSs, you've probably heard those acronyms among others. And then 
uh, SOW procurement management. That um, essentially makes up what total talent is, is all about. So let me pause there for a second. So current definition, and I know you all have uh, defined in your own minds what that means, and I'll get to that in a second, but direct sourcing in the contingent labor is it's a value-add service of an MSP um, or an organization's in-house team. And you are leveraging their data um, and the company's employment brand to attract candidates. Um, and that by doing so, that expands the direct, direct, direct sourcing contingent labor supply. So think of it as a, a database, a talent community that you're um, that you're building on the client's behalf. So when a candidate, for example, is, let's say, at applying directly to that company for a permanent job, full-time job, um, there could be the option. Often there's, they're interested in um, what, what temp jobs that organization could have, not necessarily going through a staffing supplier. So here is the confusion that I mentioned earlier, and I think there's direct sourcing types. Well, no, there's direct sourcing types and how that fits into each category or service provider. So taking the top left-hand side, so talent acquisition departments, RPOs, search firms, you know, this is the definition of direct sourcing is recruiters and sourcers outreaching to passive candidates either through LinkedIn, Indeed, other resume databases, and that's a complement um, to their advertising efforts. That generally focuses on permanent hires. Um, other terms that are used is sourcing, headhunting, passive search, name gen, uh, CRM, uh, talent community and or network are, are in terms of direct sourcing and engaging candidates to their brand. So you all know that. Um, in terms of being an RPO. Um, RPOs, talent acquisition, we've been doing this for decades. There's nothing new about it. Um, staffing firms, those are recruiters that are filled on, um, focused on fulfillment for um, contingent labor for their job orders, the job orders that they have sitting on their desk. They're focused on it. Again, it's focused on the contingent worker. Um, that's similar verbiage, sourcing, headhunting, passive search, et cetera. Where it's common to vogue, especially for MSPs or in-source teams, is it's really about expanding the contingent labor um, supply, really through technology and the employment brand to scale it. Again, it's focused on the contingent labor workforce and those that are interested in contingent labor. Um, other words that have been used in the past are, you may have heard as direct fulfillment, um, contingent RPO has been used, and then the flip of that, which is RPO for contingent. So those are some different definitions that have been used in, in looking at the three different types of service provider categories. So what are the benefits of direct sourcing? I mentioned them earlier. Um, when it first started direct sourcing for contingent labor, the number one thing was the top, top left-hand corner. We, we as your MSP provider, um, by leveraging data in your employment brand, can drive cost savings into your program. Let's face it, some companies have 50 million, 100, 200, 300 million dollars in contingent labor spend that they have. So the ability to take um, the MSP to payroll 
those referred workers and have a reduced markup compared to their staffing suppliers, that, that delta can result in uh, significant cost savings. And so that was the play that was happening um, is cost savings, cost savings, cost savings. Um, and that started, that resonated typically with the buyer and MSP, it's procurement. So they're doing anything that they can do to wring costs from that particular segment or, or spend category. Um, so that was the number one. The others are, hey, if we have an engaged talent community of contingent workers, um, we can accelerate um, uh, submittal times and processing times for greater efficiencies. Um, the third is around quality. If we can take people that were already interested in your brand um, as a direct employer, and um, they may express interest in, in contract, contract positions. Um, What's interesting here is when you think about that data, so people that applied to a permanent job at a client through their ATS, um, <clears throat> you know, only one candidate gets the job. So let's say there's 100 applicants that apply um, to the position, you direct source 100 others. Um, you know, generally we've seen in our experiences about a 1% to 2% conversion rate. So you've got a significant amount of leftovers, you know, 98, 99 candidates didn't get the job. So what, how do, what do we do with that data and the, with those leftovers, if you will? And there certainly is an opportunity to monetize them. Um, so that's a quality aspect, which I'll get into later. And then lastly, it's about, hey, we can use um, experience. We can create a better experience that's faster um, when we set up direct sourcing for contingent. I'm going to go into um, provide an example of a use case, a case study um, that Broadleaf executed on. Um, that was, again, uh, direct sourcing is, it's about being creative. And there's many different segments of the population within the organization that can benefit. And this one happened to be a large manufacturing company that we've worked with, provide current MSP services. It's focused around the retiree skills gap and addressing it through a very creative direct sourcing approach in lockstep with their HR department. So um, again, the problem was they presented some early retirement packages. Lots of people took onto those pack, pack, um, <clears throat> the, that retirement offer and it created a skills gap, so actually a serious skills gap um, with retirees leaving the organization and they hadn't new employees hadn't moved up the learning curve sufficiently. So in addressing that, we came to the table um, and really helped bridge the gap through their alumni retiree population. Um, and um, we, we segmented the population, we used HR data, and we con conducted the, um, the outreach in partnership with, with HR. We streamlined the selection process so we could get to a small subset. And the results were um, 290 skilled, app, uh, skilled candidates that were sourced and interested. And then we ended up payrolling 30 plus of those immediately into, into the productive contingent workforce. And that helped narrow that, um, narrow that gap. So that's a good example. Um, of a use case with a specific challenge that a company was facing and how you can 
can address it through um, direct sourcing. Um, so direct sourcing attributes um, as it relates to the MSP. And so when you think about um, what's really needed to be successful to execute on a direct sourcing program, there's really six things that we feel is vital to having and running a, a program. One, technology is super important. Um, you got to run it on a highly advanced, again, contingent labor is a complex process. You've got to have the right technology, like an Opley, like a live hire. These are some um, uh, established entrance into um, the direct sourcing platform ecosystem. Engage, you got to have a really good opt-in talent community. So getting people, if they did apply for a position um, full time, getting them to opt in to say, yeah, I'd be interested in learning um, more about uh, contingent jobs, temp jobs at, at this company or organization. Segmentation, got to segment the population so you're de delivering relevant information. Curating, curating is another critical piece. Somebody's on top of that talent community, continually communicating with them and providing them valuable information about the organization. Um, Pushing relevant jobs with those tech platforms. Texting is a great way, is the primary way, I should say, um, to texting and engaging with the talent community. And it's super fast. And the last thing is oftentimes there's a focus on the tech and process, but you can't get away from recruiting. The ability to recruit is vitally important um, to taking that inter interested candidate and pulling them through the process so they're ultimately selected. So just sharing some best practices um, as it relates to, um, um, to MSP and direct sourcing. So again, um, there is some confusion in the marketplace um, about the term. I think you can see when you look at the service category providers, um, you can see there's different definitions and people are using it interchangeably, not necessarily in the job segment, um, that's appropriate, and that's causing confusion. And I think it's incumbent upon us to really help simplify it and provide um, and provide that clarity to our to our candidate um, to our to our customers and clients. So I do think it's a significant opportunity. So what's going to contribute to contribute to future uh, adoption of direct sourcing? That first part is critical data capture to get it into the talent community. So those, um, I call them cold applicants, folks that, people that applied, let's say six months plus, that engage with their brand, and you can invite them into a community to opt in around contingent labor. Um, retirees, alumni, uh, uh, alumni not only full-time, but also consultants or contractors that work, work with you um, in the past. So there's a whole ability to capture data to be able to build this opt-in community. Um, second is about the employment brands. Um, the customers that we support have powerful brands that attract people and they're spending money to, and RPOs are spending money to attract them to, the, to their brand. While you have them there, Let's, uh, at the career site, have them opt in. Yeah, I'd be interested in learning more. Again, remember those leftovers um, that they've spent money to get there. Uh, leftovers and silver medalists, I should say. Um, that's the ability to monetize that data 
And I think that's the operative word is monetizing the data that's just sitting there. And it's an opportunity for HR to leverage it to drive a stronger employment brand. And let's face it, not only is your employment brand being defined by your by full-time hiring, but it's also with your temp and contingent labor hiring. And then the third leg of the stool is technology, the platform that's gonna scale and operationalize all this. So you can gain all of those efficiencies and, um, and the AI that's involved in these new platforms allow you to segment and automate those communication strings that are going out. So, Yes, I was a bit contrarian, and there's a lot of confusion. Um, part of this is just educational, um, but I believe the future is bright with significant growth. This is Lamis Aborama. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Time to Hire podcast from the Recruitment Process Outsourcing Association. Please stay connected, stay engaged, and stay informed of what's happening in the talent and recruiting world by tuning into the RPOA, the place to go for RPOA.